Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Lockdown Beers and Rugby Chat here on using Sports Radio. Hi, I'm Paul. I'll be your host. So here we are helping you get through lockdown. I know it's not a work day. It's a Sunday, but even so, um, look, it's nearly five o'clock, um, which means uh, time to start winding down at the end of the day uh, and a dry hot Pilsner um, Moa Brewing is what I've got there for me to crack open. Um, look, during the week, as I say, it's not a good idea to necessarily crack open the beers too early. So hence, uh, that's why we wait till five o'clock. I've got one minute and 10 seconds till I can crack mine open. Um, let's hope you've had a good weekend, are staying safe and have got vaccinated. Uh, what we'll be talking about, we'll have a quick look at the old international rugby. We've had a couple of games overnight uh, as Scotland took on Tonga and um, the All Blacks uh, were hosted by Wales. Uh, and uh, also we've had the Bunnings NPC action from the weekend as well. And uh, as Friday was our last lockdown beers, um, we've got... Uh, that all to catch up on and joining me um i've got Boa. how are you doing sir uh very well thank you very well sorry just made it in time um as you can see i've got a backyard size of eden park tomorrow so that takes precedence but hey lovely lovely to be here and um guess what i've got a spets old duck for a change today i do like a spets old duck. You, you you are you are a bit early there opening it because uh, we've got another 15 seconds until <laughs> five o'clock um so uh, yeah it's, a it's, bit of a, it's thirsty work Paul, trust me <laughs> <laughs> well i i i must admit i'll take that yellow card because it was better than the one we saw this morning i have to say oh god <laughs> there we go five o'clock and you can hear that because i just cracked open my beer um and i'm now uh, pouring it into the um old glass i'm just trying to suddenly you've gone and caught me on the hop now as to um as to which yellow card that was so uh, the, the, well, the, the, the I, well, I, I think the person who should be yellow carded in, in, in year 2021 at test level, if anyone is going to go head first into contact like a bull was going to do at a matador, I think the bull needs to be uh, yellow carded. That was downright dangerous. And given that, you know, we there's, there's so much emphasis on world rugby in and around tackle technique and one of the key aspects, and if any of the... Younger viewers, uh, any of your coaches watching there, one of the most important things when uh, 
a ball carrier goes into contact into a tackle is to look square, keep your eyes square on the tackler. Do not take your eyes away and look down because it's going to be absolute disaster. And I'm, I have to say, I'm very, very, um, very uh, happy that there was no serious injury on Moriarty because, by word, that was uh, some significant contact on Nepolola's shoulder, the back of uh, Moriarty's head and neck area. So, in that sense, I'm happy, but it was a ridiculous yellow card. So, yeah, don't get me well, started on that. I'll, I'll, um, uh, I'll disagree with you a bit there. Now, I agree with you purely on, on the head contact side of things. Absolutely. That was, uh, that was entirely... Uh, yeah, if, you, if you're going to go in there with your head basically lower than your shoulders, um, it, it's going to, you, you are running that risk. And yes, he needs to keep his eyes up so he can, uh, uh, as you say, on that sort of things. However, Lua Lala made no attempt to wrap. And so I think from a, from a shoulder barge point of view, um, yellow card was uh, w- w- was absolutely fine. But uh, uh, because of, the, because of the, the lack of the wrap. Now, the problem there there is then that we see several of those other ones of those during the game that aren't penalised. Uh, and it's a consistency issue, but so, so uh, yeah, as I say, not um, uh, for. I, I don't agree with the yellow card for the height of the tackle for the head contacts, and, and uh, they said that was mitigated, and that it was for the for the no arms, which um, which I which I fully understand. So, um, so for me, I think it was fair enough, but I do also think there are probably about ten others that that could or should have been given during the game, uh, and through most games of rugby, that is because because of the lack of arms being used by players. Well. What I have to say in defence of Laulala and, 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 and most international teams' practices, particularly the All Blacks, uh, in a two-man tackle, you, you saw Nate, uh, Blackadder, he got nice and low, he bent at his knees and went square and struck Moriarty round about the waist, just above, uh, round, round the rib cage. And if you, if you see where Laulala was... He, he also hit hit, Mar- hit hit Moriarty around the shoulders as well. I mean, this idea that, he, that um, I don't think he got hit at the rib at all. I mean, Moriarty was so far down, it was pretty much impossible to hit his ribs, unless you attack. Well, it, 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 <laughs> if I, look, I, I had about 16 uh, views of the 16 different replays on, on this particular tackle. And I have to say, for secondary contact, the shoulder clearly made uh, contact underneath his ribcage. And of course, the All second right. man tackle, where Nepo was coming in, that was a very passive tackle. It's what we call an airbag tackle. So whilst there is no clear attempt of wrapping the arm, it's actually a very passive tackle. And I... God forbid, had Nepo actually driven hard in, it would have snapped Moriarty's neck in half because that to me was just pure stupidity. You do not enter into contact looking down with your head down. It is simply a uh, very, very poor technique. And, you know, this is this this is the sort of thing I've been arguing this for uh, a good part of two and a half years where we actually need a orange card where it's a on-report incident. If there's a further case to answer, um, there's a there's you, you know you go through a judicial procedure for you know inside 48 hours and it's up to the referee's discretion whether it becomes a bin or a penalty. So in my view, you know that should probably arguably be a penalty, but you could have uh, you know penalized the ball carrier for putting himself in an absolutely dangerous situation. Right then, unfortunately, I'm going to get uh, double teamed now because I know Stephen Harris also believes believes with you around this uh, on reports thing. Whereas I don't think we need on report. I think we've already got citing commissioners um, there to deal with um, with all of that, and that so the citing commission just needs to be more active. But um, that's a uh, uh, yeah. We, Steve, we, we, I, we, I, I'll, we I'll let you. I'll let you have a cricket ball. Yeah, you know, 
How many times do you reckon we've actually spoken about this? Well, that's, that's I've, why I've, I want to try and keep I've, as little I've, as possible. I've, I've, I've Dude, probably, probably 200 times. Yeah, 200 times. I've lost count. You know, five years' time, 10 years' time, we'll be talking about the same thing when there just could have been an easy fix by putting it on report. It's so subjective at the moment. Man, if you look across the social network, everybody's got a, a different opinion. There's something seriously wrong with your game when you've got that sort of comment go, going on. Because we all know people rugby's a very subjective game. Everybody looks at it, looks at it different. If you wanted to find every infraction in rugby, the game would be stop-started. It'd probably take as long as gridiron would actually take. You know, some things are designed to speed the game up, but we are totally getting this wrong at the moment. You put something on report, you don't compromise, you don't compromise the compromise the game or time more than anything else. But the, the stoppages that we're seeing at the minute are totally unacceptable. And, you know, we've even got to the stage where, you know, we're seeing the theatrics as well. You know, some players will get up straight away. Some players legitimately hurt. Uh, the game has got a problem. If we're still talking about this in five years' time, it's got a problem. If it's if it's 10 years' time we're talking about it, we're probably the only guys watching the game. They, oh, look, clearly the game has got a problem. And as Simon says, our ancestors will be talking about this one in the future. Absolutely. And therefore, um, we won't um, continue to talk about it tonight because otherwise say, we'll be here all night. So moving on then, um, and let's talk about some, um, some 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 good things about the game then. Uh, congratulations, Bowden Barrett, on uh, 100 caps uh, and also picking up um, two tries uh, in this one. Um, to me, I think probably one of the... Uh, the 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 not the turning points one of the key key points in this game is when Alwyn Jones went off with in, injured with his shoulder um, because after that uh, it seemed that um, the All Blacks kind of got on top uh, but um, they weren't getting points initially clearly those points started to flow after that one but uh, yeah they really needed his his leadership uh, out there didn't didn't they both absolutely look uh, he's an absolute colossus in the game I mean. Uh, world record holder for most number of test caps. I mean, most most of us uh, mere mortals struggle to play 150 games of uh, any kind, be it social rugby or prezies or community games. So to play uh, 150 test games, <laughs> that is uh, incredible. And I don't say that lightly. Yeah, as soon as Alun Bin Jones uh, went off injured, you know, there's a real lack of leadership to looked like Wales were kind of drifting from play to play. They were very, very predictable. And of course, their defensive effort really kind of fell off because all I saw was pretty much what I call chest or shoulder surfing where uh, players were sort of getting up and just trying to uh, graze on to some of the black jerseys and it just all fell apart. Uh, and it's very, very difficult to replace that sort of experience. So hopefully he does recover. It was, uh, you know, it, it felt a very sad sight seeing some of those photos him uh, and video footage him walking back into the sheds, uh, you know, with his head down, quite dejected. And of course, you know, Father Age is catching up with Alan Wynne Jones. So hopefully he gets uh, to crack his 150th, the champagne performance. And I have to say, even a man with his experience, boy, it would have felt an absolute uh, pummeling to to get overrun and be hit by uh, a real form uh, horse like the All Blacks in his 149th game. Yeah, real shame. And Stephen, you can keep going to the next uh, Rugby World Cup because that's what he seems to be trying to do. Oh wow! Yeah, what a what a what an absolute trooper. Um, you know, he, he's just his res, my respect for him has gone up in my estimation, especially fronting up 
against the Springboks after pretty much being written out of that tour. And, uh, yeah, you, you just don't want to write this guy off. You know, he's a class footballer. And you're right about that leadership. And you saw the difference on the, <clears> other, on the other side of it with somebody like Sam Whitelock, who I reckon was just born for Test Rugby. And more importantly, he was born to captain an international rugby side because what we saw this morning is what we probably didn't have in those last two tests against the Springboks. Uh, yeah, really. Uh, uh, did have uh, a fantastic uh, game as well this morning. Um, so, look, it's uh, – and he's got a lot – I mean, he's also got a lot less experience than Sam Whitelock has at captaincy. So that's not uh, – yeah, that's, uh, on, on that side of things as well. I mean, Sam Whitelock has been captain for the Crusaders, hasn't he, for a long time as well. So, uh, yeah, um, interesting one. Sorry, sorry go on, Mark. No, what I was saying was uh, just uh, building on what Stephen was saying. I think three key players for me: uh, Samuel Whitelock, Adi Sever, and also Ethan Blackadder. Uh, they, ex- you know, we we've actually learned a lot from that loss to the box because if you looked at how they carried, it was just you know head down, ice nice and straight and forward, and just absolutely smashing through and getting those easy positive meters, and that's what was missing. And once that physicality got injected in, and soon as we got quick. Recycle ball. And I, again, I have to say with guys like TJ Perinara, you know, they've learned their lessons and they looked at clearing the ruck uh, lightning quick. And soon as the ball got into Borden Barrett's hands, the gap started opening up, particularly that last uh, try, uh, bigger part of the penultimate try where we went pr- pretty much edge to edge. It was just basic catch and pass. But because the physicality and the clearing of the ruck was done at lightning quick pace and was so brutal and physical, the ball was just so well presented. Uh, it, it sort of turned into a training run. And to be able to do that against a side who are the reigning Six Nation champions, it tells you a lot about the the quality and the focus of these All Blacks. Yeah, look, I mean, the, the, the uh, Wales were missing a bunch of players through injury and also unavailability. Um, but look, as you say, they are the Six Nations champions and you have to deal with injury. And that was their main their main issue for them. Um, the and you, you, you can see that the All Blacks, particularly early on, were very wary about the back three or the, um, or the, the wide players of uh, Wales. Uh, Josh Adams is a try-scoring machine, um, but they were very serious about blitzing and sending someone flying up to make sure the ball did not get, get wide and, f- and try and keep the Welsh playing narrow because they saw that danger, they knew that danger, and they'd done their homework and, um, and they cut it off. So, uh, look, this wasn't a game just built on attack, um, even though we'll, a lot of people will concentrate on the number of tries we've scored. And particularly tries like Will Jordan, which was really, which was cracking uh, one, and also Severis's one with that basketball style play down the down the five meter line. Yeah, I mean there was some, there were definitely some some of the highlight reel uh, there that we'll see on on uh, Twitter and Facebook for for a while to come. I think. Yep. Um, the I mean, interesting point about Blackadder because I think a lot of us were a bit surprised to see his selection. Um, I thought Akiri Wani would come back in. Um, for that so six role, so well done to him uh, in in that role, uh, and also the fact that we we took off Papuli he replaced with Akiriwani and didn't lose anything, which showed you that Blackadder can uh, uh, c- c- can make up that sort of things as well, Stephen. Yeah. Oh, listen, Blackadder. Uh, apart from slipping off a tackle, the physicality that he brings, he's just got himself. He involves himself in the game all the time and he, you know, he's a smart footballer as well he doesn't don't give away a lot of penalties and that's what I, I quite like about him but it just seems that that trio look like they're just starting to understand each other's game a little bit better where this like, Akira you'd always have him 
off a bench. Where this leaves Sam Kane, I'm not 100% sure at, at, this, at this stage. But, boy, what a, handy, <clears throat> what a handy acquisition or somebody to have parked in the garage, should I say. Yeah, look, that kid is born to play test footy. He's, he's an old-school uh, rugby player. I mean, for me, his form line suggests that he starts every single time going forward, uh, and he's an 80-minutes player. Uh, so, you know, this this is what was missing, particularly against that loss against the box where we were a bit thin at ruck time. So with guys like Blackadder, because he has that ability to go that extra meter at will and place the ball nice and easy, he's going to give you front football. So I think for me, he's, he's a very easy top pick where he starts at number six and Akira to obviously come off the bench. And rightly pointed out by Mr. Harris, question mark over Sam Kane. Oh, I think he. I think he comes in for Papalihi. That's my. Uh, but I, I still think he needs to get himself up to speed first um, before that happens. Uh, the big question, though, I think that comes from this game is going to be that number twelve jersey. Um, Craig, uh, Craig Crabstyle in the uh, live chat says, "Was I wrong about David Avili? As is he the answer in midfield?" Um, and I think that question is definitely still open as to whether he is or isn't the answer in there. And I think that uh, the entire backline actually. Well, I think we know uh, who, our, who our nine is, but he's not on tour. Um, we don't know who our backup nine is yet. We don't really know who our 10 is. We know who our 15 is. But the rest of that back line is a bit up in the air as to who goes where um, at the moment. And I think uh, this is probably Ian Foster's biggest piece now is showing us that he, he knows who his starting best, best back line is. Um, because uh, I don't think he knows at the moment. Do you guys? I think, um, I th- listen, I, I, I'm going to cut him a bit of slack because he, he was, he, I, I think he was a case of almost last man standing when he got that position at, at second five. You know, Quinta Pyre and a couple of others weren't quite, we weren't quite sure. Raiden Eno was injured. And I think he's gone in and done an adequate job. So I think he deserves that respect um, from these selectors at this present time. What I do like about his game He's got a very, very good kicking game. And, yeah, he's he's been a little bit off. Um, whether, you know, Quintipire would have to do something absolutely amazing um, for me to be better than Havili at the moment. Of course, we shouldn't forget we've got Jack Goodhue who will be coming back from, from injury next year. I, I'm, for me, I, th- I think we persist with Havili. No question. I think, uh, yeah, I think it's a bit unfair because if you look at the stats and the work he's done, uh, there's no question. There's no argument that Havili should be our starting, uh, you know, uh, second five. And of course, uh, as you rightly pointed out, Steve, his kicking game is very, very good. And again, you know, we need to give these guys a bit of time so that they can adjust and play instinctive footy with these combinations, particularly if you're going to try Borden Barrett more and more at 10. And I think today we saw glimpses of some, you know, absolute uh, real genius, particularly in, in defense, you know, how uh, Borden was actually attacking the ball as opposed to the man and that read that first intercept. So, uh, yeah, I think Havili outside uh, Barrett for the moment and, of course, Jack Goodhue coming back in. So, it'll be interesting to see. But, again, it's a good problem to have. Um, and another thing I have to say is with Ian Foster and his coaching team, you know, he, he these guys, they like to chop and change. You know, they move players around. So, we're starting to see footballers who are starting to acquire multiple skills who are, you know, at any given time can play multiple positions, which is not 
your customary line of uh, you, you know rugby union thinking here in New Zealand. But I guess that's something we're going to have to find out maybe right till the end of this tour. So good for the game. Is it really necessary to know your best back line, uh, who, who your best back line is when the players coming, the players who come in are so good? Um, to my mind, yes. When it comes to the Rugby World Cup final, you want to know who the who the best side is, and they have, you're going to want to have those players have played with each other several times going into that game, so they they read it, they know what it's like. So yes, you do have to know it. You don't necessarily have to know it for for this tour, but you do have to know it ahead of the Rugby World Cup, and you do have to have run it out several times before the Rugby World Cup as well, in my opinion. Um, any final thoughts on that before we move on to the rest of the rugby this weekend? If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Well, well, one thing I have to say is, um, look, I'm, I'm actually going to give uh, the referee a bit of credit. He did miss a lot of things. I mean, a lot of stuff. But the upshot to it all was it allowed the game to kind of flow because, uh, you know, I could count maybe uh, a dozen rucks where I, all I saw was red shirts all over the floor, just uh, infringing left, right, and center. But to to the referee's credit, the Frenchman, he didn't actually uh, keep blowing his whistle. He just kind of let it roll, and that kind of helped the All Blacks. And and to be fair, the All Blacks had their fair share of infringing as well. So, in a weird sort of way, um, by actually not, Trying to be a traffic policeman uh, from the 1960s, trying to overdo your whistle job, he actually allowed the game to kind of become more spectator friendly. So, from that aspect, albeit uh, a little bit weird, uh, a bit of a positive, and hopefully, some of these referees watching would have taken notes. Paul, Paul, just one quick thing for me. Um, Got to give credit to uh, the young open side flanker for Wales. Uh, I thought he was. Um, just name just escapes me at the moment. I know Wayne Wright the, was the number eight, but the number seven making his debut, I thought was very very good. Um, he just if you even if you think of that about that first try that um, Bowden Barrett picked off, you looked around and he was one of the chasers right 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 there, and it was a constant menace at at the breakdown. So good debut for the young man. 
Yeah, so Basham is the name you're talking about there. So yes, good. Uh, well, yeah, say so good, good debut for him. We'll just take one, uh, just answer one question from the live chat. Nocturnal Rights says, can someone explain the penalty against Josh Adams leaping in the air? Right, so the penalty was called against Josh Adams because he jumped beyond where the ball was um, rather than for the ball itself. Um, and therefore, uh, even though Jordy Barrett didn't get as high uh, and wasn't in a position to compete for the ball, they were arguing the reason he couldn't compete for the ball was because um, the, uh, the, 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 the he jumped beyond the ball. Do we see that called that way very often? No, put bluntly. Um, and I, I must admit, I thought it was a penalty in the other direction because Jordy hadn't got up high enough to compete for the ball. But that's why it was called that way. Whether I agree with it or not is a um, is a different matter, um, to be honest. But uh, but that's but that that's, that's why it was called that way. Is he, he? Yeah, he wasn't really. They, they said he yeah wasn't jumping for the ball. Um, <laughs> good for the game. Says yeah, South African um, never even know who our best coach was two years before the World Cup. Um, <laughs> it's now about building depth. Ah, yes, true. Um, there is an element of that on uh, on that one. And uh, Craig is yeah, his favourite um, European um, ref. Um, moving on then to um, the rest of the rugby. Uh, first up, um, I'm uh, yeah, we've got Italy next up for the All Blacks. I expect again seventeen to twenty changes for that game. So um, uh, look, folks. Um, We'll talk more about that on Tuesday evening on the Driving Wall Show, so do join us for that. The other international game this overnight was Scotland beating Tonga 60-14. to 14. Um, Congratulations, Scotland. I'll be honest, I've not seen the game or seen anything of this, but um, I don't know if you guys have. Um, yeah, well, I did catch the highlights. and uh, Look, it was one-way traffic, but to Tonga's credit, you know, they did try, but, uh, you know, these sort of mismatches... Uh, you know, it's 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 not doing Pacific Islands rugby any good, and I really don't want to get into it because Tonga seem to be the punching bag for most of these tier one nations, and it, it has to stop in some form or shape, unless of course we give these Pacific Island nations better preparation time so that they can stay together for longer. But uh, it's pretty one way traffic, and yeah. you know, yeah. ten tries they copped another ten tries. Yeah. Some, and something a little bit unusual as well. It's not often you see a, a Tui Polotu playing for uh, Scotland as well. Um, yeah, yeah, I never thought I'd actually see the day, but it uh, obviously does happen. I kind of looked through their squad, and once again, a very watered-down squad. I saw Funnel Funaki, who basically is a pretty much a squad member of the Northern side, so it just gives you an idea maybe of the quality of players that they actually had there. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with, and all in all, though, I agree with Bar. I'm sick of them being the punching bags for tier one teams. And look, um, cap off to them, they always turn up, right? Um, Samoa said they wouldn't play the All Blacks during the mid year window because they, they knew what was going to happen. Uh, Samoa and Fiji, or Samoa's not touring um, uh, Europe, understandably, don't get me wrong, um, but they, um, Fiji, again, are only picking European based players. Uh, but Tonga, look, they always turn up a bit like Argentina. Um, so, yeah, keep, we need to keep giving them the games and, and, and keep supporting them as much as possible. Um, this has been uh, an out-of-window game for them. So, again, players won't be available just like they weren't for Scotland and for Wales. Um, but, um, uh, yep, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, um, hat tips to Tonga. They, they, they are turning up uh, and playing. Um Moving on then to the uh, NPC, we start on Friday night with, um, I'll be honest, an upset for me was uh, with Canterbury beating Tasman um, on Friday. 
uh, in a um, in a close one. That one was um, uh, twenty four to twenty. Um, any any points from the game you guys want to talk about? For for, for me, um, big performance from Luke Romano. I think he mm. he basically emphasised that that you know he stood up. He was what that performance was all about. It was it was gritty. Um, when they had the opportunity to, to nail the game, he was right in the thick of it. And whilst he's not wanted by the Crusaders, next year I believe they've picked the young uh, Dom Gardner, who's a similar type of player, but only 20 years old, New Zealand under, under 20s. And the word doing the rounds, he's come to the Blues. <clears throat> May not be a bad sort of actual pickup uh, with his experience. And to be brutally honest, in a season that hasn't been great for Canterbury, he's been outstanding. Yep. Yeah, no question. I think Romano, he, I think he took responsibility as one of the elder statesmen in that side. And of course, on the law, law of averages, I mean, it was a 4 4 split now for Canterbury on the win loss. Uh, I'm not overly surprised because the statistical pattern says that they are a side which, you know, are a do a win. But against Tasman, yeah, there's, a, uh, there's that element of upset. But again, close call. Uh, so well done to Canterbury. And I think uh, the, the, the person who'd be most relieved. Is probably their coach, um, Ruben Thorne. Yep, very true. Um, then on Saturday we had Southland beating Northland thirty-seven to thirty-three. Um, the uh, this actually came down to uh, two kicks that some um, oh, um, Marty Banks kicks all his kicks, um, whereas um, Dan um, Hawkins. Um, missed two of the conversions, and that was the difference between the two game, two teams in the end. Now, look, scoreboard pressure doesn't mean that that's exactly the way it was, but look, it was four, four tries, uh, three penalties each. The only difference was with those conversion, with those uh, conversions. But um, look, Southland's line out more uh, is a powerful weapon. That that's what won the game basically, and uh, you can't afford to give up penalties against Southland, can you, boys? Yep, you, you did right there, Paul, and and I thought. Marty Banks was basically the the leader of the orchestra. I think he mm. could he, he was the conductor basically, and I think his kicking game was just pretty much spot on. He put a bit of pressure on, and of course, player of the game that fifty twenty, which resulted in a try, which just took Southland out of out of reach. I think one of the real differences. I thought they also exploited uh, Northland's staggered defence, not just on one occasion, but on at least four occasions. This mm. is all right, very rushing. You know, rushing from the kickoff, but you've got to have guys up in a line. And they were actually caught out on four occasions, and on three of those occasions, that it actually resulted in tries. When we've seen uh, Marty Banks also this year, basically run forward as though he's going to put a high up and under and decide to run. It's uh, kind of reminded me of Artie Savia with the outrageous dummy that he's basically <laughs> thrown on about four occasions this year. But it's I think it only got fell for once. Once you do it once, you never get away with it. Unfortunately. I don't think Northern were watching that that video, and they'll probably look back at those little moments there because it was a game that they had to win. Um, unfortunately, even at 15-3 ahead at one stage, I still didn't have the confidence, and I'm sorry, sorry anybody who's tuning in from Taniwha region that they take the game. So I looked at the TAB odds and uh, basically got across the line accordingly. Yeah, um, look, we're, we're very very poor from Taniwha, I have to say, and. Uh, you're, you're on the money there, Mr. Harris. The, the defence 
was just disjointed. It's all it's all great shooting up and blitzing the opponents. But if if you don't go up in a line, you leave a little gap at mm. at first class level. It's going to get absolutely uh, you know nailed. And the ultimate difference was, of course, kicking from the tee and kicking out of hand. Mm. And the fifty twenty is starting to show its glove in uh, NPC rugby's. And I and I think this is something we're going to have to get used to. And most teams who have players of the caliber of Marty Banks will use it as a weapon. And one more point as well, just on Tom Robinson. I was really surprised that he didn't enter the game until 10 minutes into the second half. He's, you could see his leadership kick in in the last 15 minutes, and that was the only time in the game where they actually started to get behind the advantage line and they started to bully the stags a wee bit. I really thought he should have entered the game, you know, even at the 30-minute mark just before halftime, just to bring some lead- leadership. He's one heck of a player, and I think they missed his leadership in that first 50-odd 50, 50 minutes. But anyway, they've got a big job in front of them. They've got to uh, try and turn it around on Wednesday evening. I think it is. They pay Bay of Plenty and, and Tauranga, who will be hurting as well, and I'm pretty sure we'll have a bit to say about that one as well. Paul, how's that for a good segue? Well, absolutely, and I will be there on Wednesday for Bay of Plenty versus um, Northland in that game. So hopefully it's not raining. I can do some post-match interviews. Sorry, there were no post-match interviews in the Bay of Plenty versus Waikato because the rain and my equipment getting all wet. Um, the Looking at uh, Bay of Plenty versus Waikato, look, a very emotional game, obviously being the first game since uh, Sean Wainui's passing. Uh, look, uh, and, and great scenes by both teams with uh, his brother being in the stands. Both teams walked out together. Um, side by side, um, both sides um, uh, did a hacker as well. So, uh, look, very uh, moving scenes before the game. Uh, moving on to uh, the actual uh, game itself, Waikato. Look, Waikato were top of the table, folks, in the Premiership. Um, so I know a lot of people are saying that uh, this was an upset, but uh, uh, they they uh, came out strongly, only for Bay of Plenty to come back um, until uh, the um, yellow card uh, where... where um, uh, Waikato again um, pulled out to a, a pretty good lead o- around half time. Uh, and uh, look, in the end, um, the uh, Bay of Plenty couldn't uh, uh, catch up, even with the Hamilton Burr um, Waikato yellow card there. Uh, they, they saw themselves home. Um, the um, I'm not quite sure what um, an Oxford's point is there in the live chat about you staying in the car for the week, but never mind. Um, uh, I guess that's because Northland lost, but um, the, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm in the dog box. <laughs> the dog box yes. um, so yeah, so uh, yeah, uh, important win for Waikato. Uh, Bay of Plenty um, just will be very happy um, that there's no relegation um, this season. Um, Paul, Paul, I was going to say just on that performance, a couple of little key things for me. I actually thought the Bay of Plenty scrum were getting on top, and I thought they'd finish over Waikato. So. Credit to Waikato that they hang around, but uh, to me, once again, I think it's been the weekend of the of the locks because I think the performance of James Tucker to pull that Waikato team together, I, th- I thought he just showed some really, really great leadership when it mattered, and I thought also a very good performance from uh, their first five as well, uh, D'Angelo uh, Leulia. Um, I thought he was absolutely fan- f- fantastic for him defensively and just basically kept Waikato in the right places. Bay of Plenty will look back at that game and think, gee, missed, missed uh, opportunity. Yeah, probably a better element there of, um, I think uh, Waikato, maybe their players have to go, their, their first choice fly half has to go back to Japan, maybe, or something like that. But um, sorry, if I said Tauranga, but yes, the game on Wednesday is in Rotorua, um, and I'll be at that game. Sorry, um, 
if I got the location wrong there, folks who are listening on the um, uh, on the podcast. Um, so uh, we then had Manor 2 versus Hawks Bay. Look, Manor 2 were in this until half time, um, and then uh, Hawks Bay um, pulled it away in that uh, second half to uh, win that one 31 40. Um, I think, yeah, Manor 2 did well to stay in it um, for that long. And then finally, we had um, Otago versus Wellington in a game that was a, uh, a non points game or a non competition game. Um, interestingly, it's a capped game, but it's not a competitive game. So I'm, I'm a little bit confusing there. But anyway, congratulations to the couple of players who made its 50 caps um, in that game. Um, Archie and also Will Tucker, I think, was also 50 caps as well at the, at the uh, for Waikato this weekend as well. Um, but look, it might not have been a competitive game, but it was a fun game to watch um, with Otago uh, coming out on top, 33-28. Uh, now, look, a bunch of players, uh, it was more of a fringe players thing, but that's good because they've all got something to play for. Um, and I think the only disappointing thing from this game will be the number of injuries that unfortunately uh, um, we, we saw. I got go along with you there, Paul. And the other thing, the great thing about that Otago um, Wellington game, great to see so many of the, the, the kids that we actually saw in uh, super in the Super Rugby tournament, the under-20 tournament that played for the Highlanders, like Sean Withy, the number seven, although he got a got a red a red card there for a for a shoulder charge right rightly so we also saw the very very tall Fabian Holland who I think might be the tallest player along with Dominic Bird in New Zealand 2.08 meters and he is uh, definitely a long way up and only 19 years old and we also saw the young first five well hang on we, and we also saw he could shift as well because he scored one from oh, about 22 out absolutely and the young first five boy I don't know if there's a, a more relaxed goal kicker in this competition, only 19 years old. If you remember, if you think back to the uh, game against uh, the Crusaders at the under-20 tournament, kicked a wide-angle penalty from 50-odd metres to to win the game after the Huda had gone, and just so relaxed as, uh, as they come. So they've got some good young ones there. Just back to that Manawatu Hawks Bay game last night, I thought the unloading of the bench in the second half was huge, and congratulations to Ollie uh, Sapsford. Not only playing his 50th game, but picking up three meat pies. Doesn't seem fair. <laughs> <laughs> There's on him afterwards. Um, yeah. Or he doesn't have to buy another beer in the, in the uh, there at all. So, um, yeah, so folks, look, next weekend is the last week round of games. Um, I will hope to be at Waikato versus, I've gone blank, um, uh, Waikato versus Otago on the... Uh, Friday night. I'm assuming that will be at Rotorua um, due to uh, lockdown issues in Hamilton, unless um, Waikato comes out of lockdown, which I can't see um, happening. Uh, but hey, that's um, that, that's health and politics and stuff I have no no knowledge about. So we'll move on. Um, and then finally, folks, look tomorrow morning, 3:30 a.m. There is a big, big game in the women's game. England take on the uh, Black Ferns in the hundredth um, Test match for the Black Ferns. Um, wow, when you think that there's, what is it, eight players have now played 100 times for the for the All Blacks, and the Black Ferns have only played 100 times. Um, but so good to reach a milestone, Stephen. Yeah, oh, ab ab absolutely. Going to be interesting because I think in between this time, I think England, the, the uh, Black Ferns haven't played since 2019. So what's that, a couple of years? They, they're saying that years, England... Yep. The England women team have played, they reckon, about 20, 24, 25 games uh, during this during this time. So, yeah, it's going to be a big ask for this uh, Black Ferns team. I'm pretty sure the English girls will be motivated. They'll remember the last game that these two teams played. So, uh, 
yeah, it could be a tough night at the office for the Black Ferns. Look, the the, the Red Roses would have would have played uh, in the Women's Six Nations, um, but not as many as twenty. I can't mention they've played as many as twenty four games. But anyway, um, they they but they will have played a lot more games. Now, don't forget the Black Ferns did play two games against uh, the uh, New Zealand Barbarians last year um, mm. as well. So they have been together. Uh, they've just not played any international um, teams uh, there for for that one. Um, the um, uh, it's held at Exeter. Have you ever been there, Paul? Yes, I went to university in Exeter, so I've been there once or twice. Uh, I've, been, <laughs> I've been there a bit, yes, um, but I've never been to the ground um, because it was uh, uh, well, so I wasn't following rugby closely enough back then, and also the, the ground wasn't built. Is that Sandy Park? Is it? Uh, it's now Sandy Park. Yes, they would have been playing at the Greyhound racetrack before uh, during my time. But as I say, I never made it to a game anyway. Well, at um, least it hasn't. Go- well, at least it hasn't gone to the dogs. Oh, dearie me. Um, and uh, on, uh, on that clangor, we'll say, uh, we'll say goodbye, folks. Hope you had a great weekend. Look, sorry, there will probably not be a lockdown beers tomorrow um, as it's kind of a busy day for me um, with my uh, other thing that I've got going on, which is called Kia Play NZ, which uh, is making wooden children's toys. Um, and uh, we have our first ever item for sale. The auction finishes tomorrow. So, uh, um, I will be um, with my uh, well, business partner, I guess he is, um, uh, on that uh, uh, tomorrow, uh, doing a whole bunch of stuff around that. So um, probably no lockdown beers tomorrow, unfortunately, folks. Um, but do look out for more Pacifica signings. I, I, I uh, wouldn't be surprised if they announce one at 2 p.m. tomorrow. Um, and uh, please, everyone, stay safe, get vaccinated, and let's get back to normal as soon as possible. Thank you, Stephen, for joining me. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Uh, thank you, Boa, who has uh, run out of power, um, who was with us earlier. Uh, and uh, catch you all next time, folks.